Thank you so much for joining us for part two of our pilot episode of At The Well. This episode is a direct continuation of part one, and it's the kickoff of our very first season entitled Candid Conversations, where we analyze different conversations Jesus had with people over the course of his ministry and discuss the life-altering impact of his words. We hope you enjoy part two. And the name at the well itself is inspired by one particular candid conversation in John 4, when Jesus encounters a Samaritan woman in the middle of the day at a well. This conversation is going to be the focus of today's episode. So the passage is from John 4, verse 7 through 26. If you have your Bible and you aren't driving, you can start turning there now while I set the scene. The sun shone brightly over the Samaritan city of Sakaar, where a woman gathers several jugs in preparation for her daily routine, a scorching half-mile walk to the well of Jacob just outside the city. For most women in Sakaar, this task is reserved for the early morning or late evening to avoid the noonday sun, but she has incentive to avoid most women. After an exhausting journey through the sweltering heat, she finally arrives at the well. She sets down her jugs to catch her breath. After wiping the sweat from her face, she looks up and notices a Jewish man sitting at the well. Immediately, she averts her gaze and lowers one of the jugs into the well, completely ignoring the man. As she's drawing the water, the man says to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of, fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I might not thirst, nor come here to draw. Jesus said, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you, and he. Woo. Woo. 
and gentlemen, that is the first passage in our first season entitled Candid Conversations, Jesus Encountering a Samaritan Woman at the Well. <clears throat> what stands out to you? So I'm actually really glad we're starting with this account. Um, I think it's so crucial, right, to understand uh, because a lot of us can actually find ourselves in the Samaritan woman. She came from a culture, Samaritan culture, uh, which was informed by Judaism. Um, but she wasn't a Jew herself. Uh, and in America, we have this pseudo-Christian, we have these pseudo-Christian values um, that inform our government and our law of the land, but so many Americans aren't actually Christians. Um, so there's this big picture theme of God breaking through barriers of culture, tribe, and identity uh, in order to get to us, in order to converse mm. with us. But there's also an incredibly personal component of this conversation that happens that you're all read. Jesus did not say, uh, your culture's wrong, Jews are better, get over it, blah. Blah. He didn't attack her culture, right? Um, as God in the flesh, he saw that this woman had a rough past. Having been married five times and being on your sixth relationship is no small matter. Um, you probably have quite a bit of hurt and emotional baggage at that point, right? Mm -hmm. um, so Jesus used what he knew about this woman's cultural background, her being a Samaritan, and what he knew about her personal life to reveal himself to her as the Messiah that she was aware of already. Um, and so she left the conversation sharing with other people not that Samaritans were wrong hmm. or that Jews were right, but saying, come, a man who told me everything, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. And so she left with this personal conviction um, with a God who met her personally, but who was seeking to change the entire world. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, that's one of the many powerful things I picked up on. Yeah, to kind of piggyback on that encounter of Jesus saying, like, you had five husbands, the person you're with now is, I think that for me, that was one of the first things that jumped out because sometimes it's, we can talk about this passage and people go right to like oh well you know she was in sin and Jesus met her and like was kind to her which is true that's absolutely true like Romans says while we were still sinners Christ died for us but what really struck me in reading it through this time uh, in preparation for this and praying through it was how gentle Jesus must have spoken these words to her yeah. and like spoken mm -hmm. these words over her because if you read it just as is, and as I probably read it, it seems very accusatory. Yeah. It's just like, oh, go get your husband. And she's like, well, I don't have a husband. like, oh, really? No. <laughs> like, well, guess what? That. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> right. You're absolutely right. Like, um, so it, it can come off as very accusatory. It's something where if someone had said that to me or to any of us, of us about an area of our lives that we weren't particularly proud of, let alone someone who we did not know, it would make it would make me feel some type of way. I'd sure. be pretty upset about that. Like, you don't even know me. Like, why are you like talking to me about this? Um, but Jesus, like, I, I imagine Jesus saying this to her in a way that Eli, to your point, acknowledges the pain in her life up until this point, and he brings up uh, past relationships, six past relationships. Not so much as like I'm condemning you. I'm gonna remind you of what you did, but really reading the room and recognizing how much pain that had um, wrought for her. Like one of the things that in researching this that we discussed in the, the intro is her choosing to go to the well in the middle of the day 
as opposed to first thing in the morning. Yep. Speaks to shame and pain from those relationships. Speaks to like unresolved tension within her where she doesn't want to be seen. Yep. And she doesn't want to be ostracized. Yep. And so, yeah, in verse 18, the thing that stuck out to me is like not so much the words themselves, but imagining Jesus knowing this woman exactly as she is, but lovingly speaking over her, not as a way to throw it in her face, but as a way of saying, I get that you're hurting. Yeah. Like, I mm. get that your past has wrought significant pain in your life. And I'm here because of that. Like, injecting himself into the narrative, acknowledging the past, but also re- in, in his process of redeeming it, meeting her where she was and just just yeah i i get i'm stuck on just like the gentleness with which those words would have had to have been spoken for it to not be immediately taken with offense yeah right and right. in a way that like brings her closer to him as a result right yeah i think it speaks to like in the intimacy of of how christ pursues us mm-hmm. right like there he doesn't say her name but like intimacy has different meanings and like in this way in what you just said Jarrell, there's there's an intimacy in the way that he's relating to her and the way that he's speaking love in a very difficult situation, at least for her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm caught up in how there, there's some truth that when we encounter Christ, um, when we encounter the person of Christ, when we encounter his presence, um, we are changed. Uh, whether we realize it or not, we are changed by the face of love. And if we look at this story, she encounters Christ as a conversation and, and she is changed. How? Well, well, she's going, we know she's going to the well in the middle of the day because of shame. She doesn't want to relate to the other women. Um, who knows? Maybe she's, she's had some relations with some of the other the women. You know, she just doesn't want to relate. She's an outcast, yeah. um, both in Samar- uh, Samaritan standards and Jewish standards. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yet, at the end of this, she goes back to the town where she is an outcast yeah. And, and is calling people and pointing pe- back to Christ. And this is a woman who didn't want to see anybody yep. in the middle of the day, and she is running, yep. screaming at the mm-hmm. top of her lungs, saying, come and see this man. Yeah. That is a radical transformation just through uh, an encounter with yeah. Jesus Christ. It's and like it's, she forgot. Mm-hmm. She forgot about what she was hiding from after the same encounter with Christ. It's, yeah. yeah, yeah it's, it also goes to like this new identity we have in yeah, Christ, yeah, yeah. right? Which Preach. is we have even more in like a fullness being part of the new covenant, the messianic covenant that she didn't quite have yet yeah. through because he hadn't died on the cross. But there, there was, she had a new identity yeah. just through her encounter of the love, the person of love. Um, she forgot her old identity and said, I need to share what I have just experienced yeah. with with anybody and everybody yeah yeah that's like that that was one of my like next points of just and we didn't read it here to condense it for length but yeah she encounters the lord himself and then it immediately shifts like not thinking about not being overwhelmed with shame not uh being so on her insecurities that she's just like come see this man and yeah there's it speaks to just the freeing nature of encountering the person of jesus christ um like scripture says like uh for the those the sun sets free is free indeed. And we get like a distilled version of that where literally for the journey to the well, back to sit to the city could not be more different. Yeah. Where mm, one is yeah. cloaked and like, don't look at me. I don't want to see anyone. And the other one is like, anyone who sees me, come and see this yes. man. Yes. And like that can only happen when you encounter the Lord on a personal level. Amen. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that came up for me, or one of the other things that came up for me was 
Um, so Jerrell read up until verse 26, but verse 27 through about, I would say 34 holds something really incredible in it as well. It's like the follow-up of this mm. encounter with this woman where Jesus stays behind and he stays in, in Samaria for a couple more days. But there's something really critical in here where the disciples come back because he sent them away to go get food, right? And they finally come back and they're like, Rabbi, eat, 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 eat. And what we what we see in this is Jesus coming to the well, sitting there and waiting to for this woman to approach, right? So all this time he's tired, right? God is human in Christ. And so he's hungry, he's tired, he's thirsty. The first thing he does is ask her for a drink of water, which we never know if he even got. <laughs> I'm so... <laughs> Please. If you could just get that bucket, please. And I'm the son of God, I'm good for it. Please just. But like he's he's parched. He's dealing with being human, um, which is its own miraculous thing, right? God dealing with being human. Um, but we also learn that he says later on when he shuns food, right? He shuns food from his disciples. He says, "I have food to eat that you do not know about," and that's incredible to me because. Our believing God at his word, trusting what he says about himself, is actually satisfying to God. Mm -hmm. He left that conversation satiated mm. by her faith and her hope that she put in him. Mm. So let's say for one reason or another, you haven't eaten all day. Everyone's, I'm trying intermittent fasting. We're all doing these weird diet things because we have quarantine break to do so if we're not sick. Uh, but you know the deep grumbles that you hear in your stomach and the emptiness you feel when you haven't eaten in hours and hours and hours. Well, those hunger pangs were act were fit like I can't imagine having a, an interaction with somebody starving. I'm drooling. There's like brownies going by, and I'm like blah, 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 just <laughs> and walking away from that good conversation and being full. Yeah. Um, and I think that gives credit to what we need to. Look, and there are spiritual realities that I and maybe you all listening that we just don't consider often enough. And that's why I'm, I'm ultimately excited about our podcast, because we're going to be sharing about the ordinary ways that our extraordinary God meets us. And oh, what a lovely thing it is that Jesus was satisfied and full after speaking with this woman. Right. And like the intention there. Um, Charles and I have been talking about this recently. And if it. For those listening, if you've never heard of The Chosen, it's a... We are not sponsored by this. <laughs> uh, just throwing that out there, but we'd certainly like to be. Uh, but also, we'd like to sponsor them because they are a completely fan-funded, I think. Yes. Mm -hmm. Completely fan-funded um, production of a television show called The Chosen in which the director and the cast are walking through the life of Jesus and his ministry. And the, the you can watch all of it on YouTube for free. They also have an app, um, and I think it's on Facebook as well. So if you just search up the shows, and they have like the first eight episodes of their first season. But anyway, the last episode is this uh, picture of the Samaritan woman at the mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that, that strikes me from that, and kind of seeing it acted out, and like part of the reason why I love that show so much, and like we talked about it, is because it does what we want to do through this podcast of really helping you to see yourself and see the people that Jesus spoke to and used. Um, but the in this episode, there's you see Jesus exactly as Eli said. He's sweaty, he's tired, he's sitting under like this really like nothing tent at this well, and he's intentionally waiting for this woman. And so to see him like have this kind of appointment of like, I'm gonna sit here and I'm gonna wait for you. 
Mm. Like, I'm going to wait for you as you're, like, masking your shame. I'm going to wait for you as you're, like, thinking about your insecurities. I'm going to wait for you in what is, like, a very difficult time and a difficult moment in your life, and that's when I'm going to encounter you. Just kind of in pictures, like, yeah, the expectation that Christ had of having that conversation that filled him, that satiated him, and then giving new freedom to this woman. He made a point to, like, send his disciples away just to encounter her and to be more uncomfortable just to encounter her. Yeah, and to kind of marry those two ideas, um, a little later in 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 this passage in John chapter four, uh, Christ tells his disciples, um, "My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to complete His work." So there's an element certainly of like Christ needed to be have a drink of water. He sent his disciples off to get food. Yeah. Uh, you know, clearly he had a need, but Christ was about something, yeah. and he was about doing the will of his Father. And I think in uh, having heard that 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 particular passage of um, I'm I'm here to do the will of my Father, and then watching the chosen scene, knowing that he is setting himself up to meet this woman, a divine appointment, yeah. pun intended, um, is is like it's quite revealing to the nature of God to what you were just saying, and that like yeah he he needed to eat, he probably did eat soon thereafter, but there was an element of uh, of being like satisfied yeah. that he was able uh, to accomplish the will of the Father, which is to love, to reach people, to reach the unreached, to reach the unloved. And this woman was unloved, yeah. or felt unloved, and Christ was able to love her and show her love, and that was um, that was food to to <laughs> to the Lord um, and satisfying, which was is a beautiful thing because mm-hmm. that's not just for the Samaritan woman. That's for, for the three of us in this room and for any of the listeners and everyone in the world. Yeah. yeah. Amen. I also love, this is not a particularly deep thought, in one of the verses afterwards where the disciples are like, Rabbi, eat. Uh, it's one of my favorite things in scripture. This thing is very funny. Because they're like, Rabbi, eat. And he's like, ate his eye food that you don't know about. And the disciples are just like, someone bring him food. <laughs> 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 Which it's easy, to, it's easy to poke fun at the disciples. And we probably will a lot over the course of this this podcast but like if you picture like you go to town to get food for someone you come but you just walk this journey with them you come back and you're like hey you haven't eaten yet and it's like no i've got food i've literally i've got food you don't know about and they're just like did anyone did over- why do you tell us to leave <laughs> you had food this whole time <laughs> that just makes me laugh and I, I resonate with the disciples Coolness a lot, and that one just cracks me up because that would be me. Like, so you had sex right. <laughs> for this trip, you brought some orange slices, and didn't tell anybody. So, can we eat the fucking <laughs> So, we're gonna eat this, but anyway, yeah. Um, I think as well, one of the things that stuck out to me to the woman is just kind of the barriers she puts up in encountering Jesus, and almost every time she speaks there's something she says that is kind of dismissing uh, this man and also just very aware of the cultural norms of the time and the traditions of the time and the ways Mm. that she kind of feels distant from that. So like in verse 9, she talks about Jews and Samaritans. She's like, we have no dealings with each other. Um, In in verses 11 and 12, it's literally, you don't have have a, a jug to draw water with. This well is really deep. And then, are you better than, like, Jacob, our father? So there's kind of this 
leaning on lineage and like family history instead of like this personal encounter of who Christ is. Um, and it just goes on like it, she talks about uh, worshiping on the mountain or where it's proper to worship. Yeah, so yeah. she brings up over and over again all of these things that speak to the division that she sees just in the society around her, in the culture around her. And Jesus doesn't dismiss those things. Like, he never goes like, ah, that's, that doesn't, like, that, he never says, like, oh, that doesn't really matter. He just continually, in being patient with her and listening to her and, like, sympathizing with where she is, presents himself as, uh, I've heard a term of, like, him being newer and better mm -hmm. than those things. Mm -hmm. And so he speaks to the social division, and he's just like, yeah, Jews and Samaritans don't have dealings with each other. Um, but he continues to seek her. He speaks to, you know, like this being a welcome like Jacob and just kind of the division of Israel over history and continues to meet her there. And I think that that's so apt for just today. I think a lot of people encounter Christ and there are a lot of walls that immediately go up. Yep. And so I know for me, especially in high school, a lot of it was just around sin of like, why well, I, I know what I've done. Like, I know that I'm sinful and I know that this separates me from God. Mm. Um, I think some people... For some people, it is social division. It's maybe not feeling accepted in the church. Um, it may, maybe not feeling like that is a place that's for them. For some people, it's family history, and it's like, well, my parents are Christian, even if it's like, albeit nominally so, and I don't really have much to draw on from them, so why would I you know, commit myself to it? I think that she really hits on a lot of ways that we as humans put up walls to encountering the Lord that aren't irrelevance like again Jesus doesn't say forget about all of that he just says like look at me and like and goes about the work of unburdening her from those things yeah. it's not that they don't exist like Jesus is aware of that context but he uses that as a way to provide further context of like like I am the Messiah right like, that freedom that like liberty that you were looking for like that isn't me um, in the same way that they compare like Christ is like the high priest to the way the sacrifices were done in the temple in the Old Testament. Yep. You look at how that was done as a way of saying, and this is how Christ brought that like to like fruition and in fullness, and is a newer, better version of that. Yeah. And so I was struggling that he doesn't dismiss like what this woman experiences. It's like, don't forget, just forget about it. It's like that is true, but I'm also true. Yeah. Hmm. And like that makes all the difference for her. And that yeah, that really hmm. really struck me. Yeah. Upon reading this and talking about it with the two of you. I'm immediately hit with, we need to be about, like, the strategy that Christians need to take on is a little bit of the woman who ran back to tell the news, but also we need to take on the strategy that Jesus employed when he was speaking to her in the first place, oh, yeah, where yeah. he didn't get distracted by the things that she sort of threw at him, the accusatory things that, well, we do this and you do that, mm -hmm. and immediately trying to set up walls and barriers is like Jarrell was stating, but it's like, let me get to the heart of what this discussion is actually about, and it's about newness and being better and it's not because it's not that I am newer or better than you it's because there is a God who is concerned with us and who sent us someone that we can all put our hope and faith in mm -hmm. um, and just I mean we're in, in scripture we're called Christ's ambassadors yeah. and I think that is what we need to employ these are the strategies we need to employ when when reaching out yeah. listening and um Bearing with someone in conversation, in tough conversations, in candid conversations, um, but also not losing track of the goal of the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it allows for like in verse fifteen, she says like, "Show me where this living water is that I like." Yeah. Can draw from it and not have to come back here again. She tries to call him on it. Yeah, 
And it's exactly, and it's like if you, I think when we, like you said, Eli, when we take that approach to ministry of just encountering people where they are, not excusing struggles, but acknowledging, yeah, that sucks. Like, that's really, really hard. And like sympathizing and empathizing where we can. When those walls begin to come down, then you can get to the heart of like, but there is something more. And at the heart of it, like, you want something more. Yeah. And those kind of seeds can be planted and flourish when it's going at it from an approach of gentleness as opposed to just like either excusing away the things that they see as very real barriers yeah. or just kind of harping on um, sin or distance that is in some ways uh, self-imposed. Yeah. Do we have any other thoughts, gentlemen? No. Good. Sounds good. Well, great first discussion. I'm very happy we're doing this. It's good to go into scripture with you guys. Uh, to our listeners, that's all for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Glad you could join us for this inaugural podca- podcast. Hope you continue to join us um, in the future. You can check us out at www.atthewell.podbean.com. We upload new episodes every Monday on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. We'll talk to you next week here at The Well.